What is up, everybody? We are the local talk show. Hello, hey, hello. And I am your host, Sergio. Got Miss Kate over here and Andrew. We're technically your co-hosts. Who? Us. You're, oh, you're a co-host. You're I always not the host. Oh, you're. Was, oh, I always thought it was like a King Arthur and the Knights of the Round oh, Table you're, kind oh. of thing. You know, where everyone's equal. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I'm not the host in this one. Well, you're, aren't we all the hosts? We're co-hosts. Oh, okay, we're okay. Do we need to start over? Then let's start over. No, no, we're, <laughs> no, we're, we're good. Just, we're just good. saying. Whatever. I was like, y'all are. It's my stuff. It's my show. <laughs> <laughs> it's my ball. I'm taking it. No, that's also a true statement, though, as a host. That is a very and Caitlin could make the same statement. This is my show. I know it's our show. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's, I mean, it's yeah. our show. I'm just greedy. So, anyways, we are the local talk show, and what are we talking about? What are we talking about tonight? So, Sir Andrew, I think we're going to talk about communication tonight, or lack thereof. No, I feel like tonight's episode should be about communication and why people don't want to talk anymore when things get a little tense or when the volume of your voice gets really high, even though you haven't changed your position from the microphone, you know? Okay. Okay. So we're talking about me now. Yeah. We're taking a jab at me. I'm literally in the middle of talking and I'm like, I'm blowing my eardrums out. Okay. I see how I see where this is going. <laughs> so communication. Uh, I don't know. I, I where do you feel like we are based on your interaction with social media, based on your interaction with the everyday person on the street, and whether or not you can talk to strangers that live maybe that you've lived with in apartments or in your house or whatever the case may be. Where do you feel like as a society we're at communication wise? As a society, we communicate with these. Okay. Or, or like something like that. All I right. think I think our digital communication is good. It's so easy to text someone okay. or send an email or something like that. But in regards to an in-person conversation, like face-to-face, mm-hmm. I think we have really like gone down okay. in that in that kind of thing. So our analog sucks. Our digital is great. But great in what sense? Like great in the sense that we great. can communicate with anyone across the world or great in the sense that it's actual good communication? Great as in... Not, not just that we can communicate around the world. Great as in, I think we are more willing to say what we want when we're hiding behind one of these. Anonymity. Mm-hmm. It is so much, and not just anonymity. Like, I, I can text someone in this room or you right now, and you know I'm texting you, and I am much more comfortable calling you whatever I want and using some very <laughs> bad words when I'm using one of these or using one of those okay. than I would be coming up to your face and saying those things to you directly. Okay, so do you mm-hmm. feel then that the digital has allowed us to be more honest? Yes, yes. And, and it's, and you know, once you text those things or put those things on the internet, they live there forever. So you can't take it back. Just like when I, when I say something to you that really offends you, you're not going to forget it. I can't take it back. It's already out of my mouth. She literally you know? never sends, says anything to really offend anybody. So, so let's take that let's take that into account. You know, the fact that a little bit of anonymity, a little bit of I'm not directly in front of you, so the 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 tension has lessened, which has allowed me or emboldened me to be more truthful in a more raw way, whether it's hurtful or whether it's it's deeper or or whatever the case may be as far as my level of honesty goes. So let's take that into account and then let's apply it to 
everything negative that we see right now in terms of communication. As far as why we can't talk to each other in person, why when we're on the internet we decide to immediately go to the most juvenile, hateful, hurtful places that we possibly mm -hmm. can. And, and I mean like really hurtful stuff, like when you're telling people to go kill themselves, that kind of thing. Um, and and wh why can't we bridge the gap between that digital and analog and just be the, the personification of what we feel like is really good communication-wise and what we're able to do communication-wise through the digital experience and bring it into an analog environment. So let's start with that first one, just that first one right off the top. Where do we go from here if we can't communicate face-to-face? As much as we're digital, we have to be face-to-face. -face. I mean, Sergio, you sell cars. People have to still come in and yeah. shake hands and pick up a vehicle physically. Yeah. So, you know, how easy is it for you to walk up to a customer and just start that conversation? And how easy is it for the customer to be receptive of that? Well, in my line of work, you know, some of it is internet sales. And, you know, where you're trying to get them in the door and you're trying to, you know, explain to them, like, features, price, you know, pictures of the car, all that to get them in. Uh, but then sometimes you get people to just drive on the lot and you have to go over there and shake cans, kiss babies, all that good stuff. But I'm, I'm an older, you know, I'm late 30s. So I'm one of those people that I carry around a card holder, a, card, a business card holder. Nice. So like when people show up, it's like, bam, hey, I'm Sergio. Here's my card. Like I'm one of those people. And then that's when I'm like, here, you can text me, you can email me. But I always try to be like as, as direct as I can with them. And I try to make them feel comfortable. But because my background is sales and because it's face-to-face -face sales, I have, I still have to be able to like have that poker face. And like if they like, oh, I got $10,000 and I want this $9,000 car, I can't like look all super excited. I have to still have that poker face. And if they're being an asshole to me, I still have to like, you know, reel it back and not just like unleash on them. So for me, I think it's a little different um, because I see both aspects of it. I see the upside to the to the social stuff, to the social media and the digital side where it can help enhance your sales. But at the same time, you get those people that probably normally wouldn't talk to you a certain way that will talk to you a certain way, you know, via text or via Facebook Messenger. It's like, well, I can get this car cheaper here, you know, and your prices are too high. And, you know, you're a jackass. It's like, well, yeah, but you wouldn't say that to me to my face, you know? You know what I'm saying? And I do. I run into a, I run into a lot of customers that we, we kind of start off kind of combative for whatever reason, and then they get in, and you're able to break that wall because everybody has a like a like a barrier. Everybody feels guarded, and that's what I've learned is that everybody on the internet thinks like somebody's gonna out to get them. Some people are genuine. They're genuinely nice people, and they're very happy-go-lucky. And some people really attack those people because they're like, well, why are you so happy? Because he's just a happy person. You know, it's like if you're too happy, what's wrong with you? What's your angle? Like, what are you trying to get from me? You know, it's, I don't I don't know. It's, it seems really weird. There's a lot to dissect there because effectively what you've painted is this picture where a lot of individuals don't want the interface in the physical world because mm -hmm. of the fact that there is judgment. There's levels of aggression that they're not comfortable with interacting with. Mm -hmm. And there's also a timidness that keeps them from being able to get the kind of price, the kind of deal, asserting themselves in the way that they want to assert themselves. So having that digital medium 
allows them to accomplish those things. So it feels like that digital experience is more of a crutch to some individuals who can't interact in the analog world, the real world. Well, one of the things that I, one of the one of my lines that I use, and I didn't make this up, I'm not going to take credit for it, another sales guy I used to work with did it. He would have people that would call in and they would like ask all these questions like they're trying to buy the car over the phone. And he would tell them straight up, you're buying a car and not a bag of chips. I need you to come in. I need you to come in. I need you to touch the vehicle. I need you to drive it. I need you to hear it, smell it. It's like you're literally not buying something that you can just buy on at Walmart.com. You're buying the second biggest purchase that that you will make. Some some for some people, it's the biggest purchase they make. It's like some people don't see that. Like you can't really buy a house online because I mean they're trying to, but you really can't like experience like what home feels like by looking at pictures and seeing videos on. 3D images. You still have to like immerse yourself and see do I want to do I like the neighborhood? Do I like the sounds? Do I like the smell? There's just certain things that the digital age doesn't allow you yet. Yet. That's just so weird because that's how you used to always have to do it. You didn't have that option until what the past 20 years or so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? You wanted to buy a car, you went to the dealership to look at the cars. You couldn't look them up on a computer. Yeah. So Caitlin, from the time that you were in school, mm-hmm. and, and by the way, Caitlin has a media background. What, what's your degree in? Media. Yeah. Broadcast media. So the deal is, from the time you were in school and what they were actually teaching you, uh, to the time you left school till now, and, and all the things you've done as far as your professional career, and anything just socially, uh, analog versus digital, does the media play a big influence on that as far as how people consume, how they respond to each of those different environments, um, or is it just something socially? No, it's, it's the media definitely plays a big part in it um, because depending, like let's say, for example, we'll take the news, depending on what news network you're watching or reading about, you know, their, their angle is skewed a certain way. Like, for example, Fox News, very conservative. You're going to read, and then if you went to, let's say, MSNBC, not conservative at all, more liberal, but you can read the same story from or watch the same media coverage from both channels and you're going to get a totally different view of it from either side. You know, if they're talking about President Trump, Fox News is going to say one thing, MSNBC is going to say something else, even if it's about the same story. The words that they use are going to alter your view on the situation. And that's just just one example. So, and you know, it's oh man, it's it's crazy how they can influence the way we view you know, politics and, you know, situations or, you know, issues facing this country because it's skewed, you know? Yeah. And the, and I feel like from from what we, what we consume from them and anything that they inject as far as the negativity or the positivity of the accounts, mm-hmm. as far as whatever the story is, that we carry that over into our personal conversations. And I feel like that's where that number two comes in, all that viciousness, all that negativity um, that we see online because of the anonymity, because of the fact that we don't have to be there in front of you. Like the things, you won't say that directly to my face, but you'll text it to me over Mm -hmm. the phone. Um, That kind of thing. I see it translate over, and I feel like that number two thing is is the reason why. We have seen so much pop culture. We've seen so much of of what the the media wants to show us as far as the negative and the positive aspects Mm -hmm. of individual things things and and how we've been taught to respond to that and I feel like that stimulus is what carries over into our personalized or personal conversations and it makes it almost impossible for us to move forward as a society I feel like we're actually stepping back and becoming more savage 
because and, and I, mean, I mean that in a social way. I don't mean that in like a you know a, techn a technological way or anything else. I'm, I'm just talking about overall conversation, sophistication in conversation, um, just etiquette, you know, manners, if you will. Mm -hmm. you know, in, the, in the South, we talk about manners all the time. You know, I'm, I'm yes sir, uh, no ma'am, and please and thank you. And I've always been that way. So whenever I travel anywhere, especially in the in the northern area, like when I was in Pennsylvania, they were like, okay, that's that's nice. <laughs> Uh, you know, my it's name's, weirdo over my here. name's Jim, nice. my dad's a sir, you know, they were saying things like that. And I was just like, well, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas, so that's that's just how we talk. Your sir and your ma'am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I, I just, what are your personal experiences with that? What do you see um, with, with, it's with friends, with family? Um, the you know you know what their habits are you know what they're watching you know what you know what they're um, what's the word I'm looking for ingesting it, yeah exactly so I mean like what do you what do you see what do you, like how do, how do we first of, first of all what do you see and then how do we get back to a point where people can just be more civil what what I've seen with some of the people I know not with every person I know obviously but I I have seen in the past where like I might have let's say for example I have one in my head a friend I won't say who that I know well. I've known for a long time. I think I know them pretty well as a person, and they're a good person. You know, they wouldn't. I wouldn't be friends with them if they weren't a good person. And, but what I see when they post things online mm. is completely different than what they are in real life. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I won't go into specifics about what they're posting or what they're posting about or on. But I see what they write online, and I'm like, he or she would never say that in person ever. Mm -hmm. I know them. And they would never say that in public, you know, out of their mouths. But then I watch them go in and type these things and post these things online. And it's like, well, I guess you're a lot braver or I don't know what right. you are online. But I see that a lot, you know, and then it's, it's like reverse the other way. You know, if, if you meet someone online, whether it's a significant other or a friend or a mm -hmm. colleague, and you see them post online one way, you're automatically going to think they're a certain kind of person. But then you might go and meet them in real life, and it's like, oh, Nicest you're guy. totally different. You know, so nice. yep. you know, a complete 180. It's it's so hard to judge a person or think you know a person when all you see is what they post online. You know. See, okay, me. I mean, I'm I'm pretty call it like I see it. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty straight shooter. I mean, you you know you you know me a little bit. You've known me long enough to know that I just kind of call it like I see it. I don't really sugarcoat a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that. When I see stuff going on online that I'm, I'm kind of calling their BS, I will dissect what they're saying and I will throw it back in their face yeah. to make kind of to make them realize how big of an ass they, they sound. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm that person. But yeah. you you would do that face to face too, right? right? That's like, what I'm saying. If so, that person was standing in front of you, you would say the same so exact thing. I probably tear you apart worse in your face, so I'm actually <laughs> probably nicer online. I think I think online I'm more politically correct, but in your face, unless there's a camera on me, you know, <laughs> and if some, if nobody's gonna know forever what I said to you, yeah, I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, like I'm just I'm a little bit more politically correct in online, but in your face, yeah, I'm pretty I'm a lot more abrasive, and I'm 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 quick to call your BS. Yeah, you know, and most people know that about me. Most people are like, yeah, you're actually nicer online than you are in person. I've done sales for 20 years, so for me, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's my personal life or my professional life, I always try to carry around a certain level of professionalism. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to people, I tell them exactly what I think all the time. And that's and that's come back to bite me, especially when I worked in corporate. I mean, mm -hmm. 
there were times when I was talking to somebody and I didn't know who they were or they, they had a little more clout than, than I did or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and that came back politically within the job to bite me in the butt. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I've always been the same way. I, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. I'm always going to be 100% honest with you. I'm going to try not to hurt your feelings in the process, but I really don't care if it does. Mm-hmm. And I think that I feel like if you're that way and if you have that kind of level of honesty, then people know who you are, what you're about. They always know where you stand. And when you give them your word or when you say something, it carries a lot more weight. One of the things that I say to people is I'm sorry that your feelings were hurt. If you actually listen to that, I'm not sorry that I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry that your feelings were hurt. I'm sorry that you felt that it hurt you. And I say that to people and I'm genuine when I say it because I'm not apologizing. But some people take it as an apology. I, I, it's basically like, I'm going to say it to say that I said it so that you feel better about yourself. But I still go down the street knowing that I was right and I didn't hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but if you ever listen to me, I say I say all these weird things that like it makes people feel good. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, he really didn't apologize yeah. or he really wasn't that like concerned. What Caitlin said, though, makes a lot of sense. And and she, she doesn't want to go into details, but I will go into details. So I got a buddy... Who recently posted up that the MAGA hat is the equivalent of the Klan hood. So if you're walking around wearing a red hat that says MAGA, you're basically walking around with a Ku Klux Klan hood. That was his assertion. Okay? Okay. And some people responded with, what? Huh? And then he responds back with, prove me wrong. And then they respond back with, it's a hat. And he responds back with, that is a symbol for racism, etc. To which another person responded back with, and then this didn't make any sense. Yeah, but it's a hat. And I'm like, I, I, you've already made that point. You know, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about communication. When you start doing stuff that's juvenile, mm-hmm. just saying the same thing over and over again, then that's when the whole situation starts to devolve. And that's what it did. It just devolved. It devolved into name-calling and really petty juvenile things where people were just basically saying, you're an idiot and things like that. It got, it got worse than that. People were using some colorful language. But at the end of the day, for me, there was an argument to be made there for him. Uh, or, or to him, uh, they're they're just you're you're equating two symbols that on a level of violence and hate they just don't equate mm. to each other, you know. And I think some arguments that they were making were like, well, uh, Trump embodies that hat and and the things that Trump has done are at that level. And I'm just like, no, because Trump's never lynched anybody, you know. There's no burning crosses out on the lawn. I, I just don't feel like the two things. Okay, match up. from a from a marketing standpoint, that MAGA hat was genius. Oh yeah, it was, that yeah. MAGA hat is genius. I and gotta you, look this up because I don't know what this is. The Make America Great Again hat. Make America. Oh. MAGA. M-A-G-A. I have no idea what you're talking about. But what I'm about. saying is that is that from a marketing standpoint, it's genius. It was a genius slogan to run on. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know what? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that hat. Well, was Obama's "We Can Do It" or "Dream Big"? Or, can, I, I don't yes even remember. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. That was, that's what I think. That's what it was. Yes, we can. But I'm saying that I was just like, yeah. It it sold a lot of people on "Let's vote for him because he's going to make America great again." And you know what? I don't have a problem with that. What's wrong with making America great again? Don't we all want to live I, in a greater America? I think of that hat, and I don't think of the Klan. I think of oh. This is part of a political campaign. That's that's what it was for, yeah. and that's what I associate it with. It just so happens that a bunch of racists were wearing it, but they took it the wrong way. They took it absolutely the wrong way. Well, I mean, some of it was some of it was guided. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying that this just because they're wearing the hat doesn't mean anything. See, I'm not trying to mitigate, you know, one thing or the other. I'm not trying to say that this hat isn't associated with tribalism 
or hate or whatever. I'm just saying you can't compare the two things. No. no. Okay. And to do that, I feel, is insensitive to those individuals who are very much still alive that lived through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of like, and they got this for they got this Trump. Like he said, he was being lynched, and I felt like that was historically insensitive. I was like, you can't compare what's going on with you and how the media is attacking you with a person being dragged through the streets, tied up in a tree, you know, beaten and then killed, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's like you don't compare the two things. Like no. Trump shouldn't do that, and, and my buddy shouldn't be comparing red hats. To the hoods of the clan. Well, it just you know, doesn't when, make when, any sense. When he, goes, when he goes and he says that everything's a witch hunt, if you want to go even further, you shouldn't call it a witch hunt either. Yeah. Because if anybody knows anything about the witch hunts, what the Salem witch trials, people were getting burned at the stake because they were accused of being witches. But do you know why? See, like, here's the deal, right? It's all about perspective. It's all about what is more recent. You know, the, the Salem witch trials... Nobody alive except know, but, maybe Wiccans. Like I'm pretty sure Wiccans would be like, "Well, I find that offensive." I'm I know, sure but I'm just would. saying. But I'm just saying the term witch hunt yeah. is the same thing. It was people that were being persecuted for nothing. I mean, they were being persecuted for nothing. Yeah. literally for nothing. They thought they were witches. Yeah, and they were killing them. They were burning them at the stake. They were well, dragging I mean, them out in the street. But some of them were pagans. You know what I mean? And that's that's a you know the the white the white craft the white rich craft or right. whatever. Some of them were, and some I of mean, them weren't. So, no, but the point is, it's like. But back then, back then you could have been arbitrary. But back then, if you were autistic and they didn't know what that was, they didn't know what that was. Like, oh, they're the devil. I get like they're a witch, you know. And and all they were was was autistic. It's like okay. Well, we didn't know what what autism. We didn't really know. They thought you were a witch. They thought you were under some kind of spell. So back to the whole communication thing. I just feel like (laughs) we're just blindly throwing mud at each other. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Now, for no reason. Here's a here's something I'd like to hear both of your responses about. Twitter has been really big with this presidency, mm-hmm. more than any more than any presidency. How old are you again, Sergio? Uh, thirty-eight. I just turned thirty-eight. Okay, you're three years older than I am. Really? Yeah. Go ahead. I thought you were older, but anyways, I look it. <laughs> That's not the point, though. Well, no. Okay, so my whole thing is, you know, you talk about the digital versus the analog. Yep. So many things get lost in translation. Yep. With that digital versus analog. Saying it versus typing it versus putting it out there in a what is it, 180 characters or whatever the hell Twitter is something like that. Yeah, should he be allowed? Sh- should should any president, not just this president, should any world leader be allowed to publicly express themselves like that on a continuous basis? Yes. Yes. Because I feel that there's so many things that get lost in translation, and you know, I, I'm not a Trump supporter, but sometimes I think that there's things that he types. And maybe he thinks like, man, maybe I shouldn't have typed that because maybe it sounds like maybe he actually reads it back to himself and he's like, man, I sound really bad. No. Like, should I have done that? No. He's I got wonder, the best words. I'm just saying like. His words are the best. Oh, you're breaking out the. <laughs> the best. <laughs> you're breaking out the, the alley. I've got a big brain. Best tweets. I've got all the best But tweets. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's Millions just of certain, there's Sergio, so many, what are you talking about? There's so many things that get lost in interpretation because of those tweets. Yeah. That I feel like if you wouldn't say it in a press conference. Like if you were to, you're tweeting at midnight. Would you start a pre, Would you call a press conference at midnight? Yes. And if so, then do it. Like do the press conference instead of instead of releasing the stupid tweet. Have you not seen him on the lawn? Which do you you don't even know what crazy sounds like until you listen to Trump on the lawn. I just I don't know. I just wonder if that's like he's got no prompter. He's got no notepad with him. No, he's just off the cuff. He is completely off the cuff, and he will say some things. 
And even when he has a prompter, for example, not even a couple of days ago, he commended Colorado for the wall that oh, they're yeah. building. Mm-hmm. Well, in my opinion, if you are relying on Twitter to interpret what the president is saying, I don't think you're in a good spot. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't seem very presidential. That They're like, oh, the president tweeted today. Blah 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 blah. I was like, every day the president tweeted something, and they're presidential. They're documents, right? They're like, well, like everything all- that they do has to be on the record. So mm-hmm. all that stuff is saved. Yes. Yeah. Like for all of Archive. eternity, for all of eternity, we're gonna know he's number forty-five, right? I have no idea. I think yeah. he's president forty-five. Not sure. You'll know what number forty-five tweeted on October twenty-ninth, mm-hmm. twenty nineteen. Okay, I have a topic I want to bring up. Do it. This whole communication thing, you know, digital versus analog. Because of all the digital communication, we do have a new epidemic that I consider it an epidemic. I think we have more education on it now, but we now have catfishing. Yeah. What mm-hmm. are y'all's thoughts on catfishing? Because it blows my mind. It's it's literally the modern day equivalent of prank calling. I think I think they're like I think they are digital con artists. Well, they are. Kind of, sort of, because not all catfishing is malicious in the sense that uh, a lot of it is, is just is mischievous. And, and it is. A lot yeah. of it is. You're, you're, yeah. Until you you're, get to... Oh, I am Susie from your math class. I have a crush on you. Blah, blah, blah. Let's go to a movie. Yeah, you're, you you're making catfished. fun. You just got catfished. It's manipulation. And, I mean, it's one of those... It's, it's just like what we were talking about with the digital versus analog, where would you say these things to somebody? Like in their face, a lot of this catfishing stuff is, you know, people pretending to be other people, pretending that they're not. If you did that in in the streets, like if you went in the streets and you like wore like a different colored wig and different colored contacts and you dressed differently, and people be like, "Who the hell is she?" Well, like they would see that you look kind of ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. It just seems so. As far as as far as the whole thing goes, it's like. To relate the two things, and if you don't know what catfishing is, catfishing is when one person deceives another person to get that other person to do something, either meet them at a certain place, send them money, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and then when, and then finally, when the culmination of the relationship or whatever the interaction is happens, something that the person on the other end didn't expect is what happens. So, for example, you catfish a guy pretending to be a 14-year-old girl. They show up and the police arrest them. Mm-hmm. Okay, you catfish a lady, telling her how much you love her and that she needs to help you with your business, and then she comes to find out that you're some 16-year-old boy who's literally just been stringing her along. You don't got a business. You live in your mom's basement, mm-hmm. and she's sending you forty thousand dollars. Yeah, it, it's it's that's what it is. But so as far as that goes, yeah, of course. I mean, but that comes all back to this whole anonymity thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I have. I have been emboldened by the internet to be whoever I want, to do mm-hmm. whatever I want. And in this environment, you can't see me. I don't have to interact with you physically. So I can say whatever I want to say. And in fact, I can even take my time and carefully script this mm-hmm. before actually typing it out to you. Now, mm-hmm. did you guys watch the show Catfish or do you watch it? No. I, I watched it. Okay. So there was this, I, I got into this thing where I would watch it. And there was this one episode, this one catfish. Where, like, you know, the guys, you know, it's like a little team of, I guess they're like private investigators trying to figure out if you're a real person. And this guy, he ended up being a real person. You know, they went and met him. You know, he'd been talking to this girl for, I think, two or three years. 
and the guy like he he cared about her so much that he didn't think he would live up to her expectations like apparently this guy had been like working even harder and been working like overtime and all like he was trying to like do like a perfect scenario to meet yeah it's the only time i've ever seen that on that show where like the person was real and the person wasn't full of bs it's like he really like genuinely like he wanted to care for this person that he was trying to figure out how how he could show her i guess to live up to the hype yeah he felt like he would never live up mm -hmm. to that hype and like he was just like saving money he was just saving a bunch of money and he's like yeah I, like my, my whole plan has always been to meet her but i just had to do it the right way man it's that's crazy. I don't. I don't think I remember that episode. Yeah. But oh my gosh! Sorry, I'm trying to put my words together. Y'all keep going. We. Oh, Sergio's going on a potty break. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. He's got to go to the bathroom. No. We're gonna watch you go to the bathroom. Um. But it, it's like the 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 digital world is setting the stage for you to be whoever you want and I guess sometimes it gets out of hand it can you know we we pretend if you're a catfisher you pretend to be someone you're not and you do it for so long you start to believe you're that person mm -hmm. you know and it's so easy because again you're just doing it on one of these yep. you know you're just reading words it's it's wow it, wow it becomes i think it becomes a situation where you, you've created this fantasy world and it has completely encompassed your actual reality mm -hmm. and and that can be very toxic so three things that we listed earlier when we're talking about communication so we get down to this last part where we've seen basically society devolve mm -hmm. we've created more space between us because of the fact that one we're always seeking out these echo chambers where people just agree with everything that we say two there's no real moderation, if you will, of what goes on online. There's no real rules and regulation like we have with, with media outside of social media. Um, like there's, there's nothing that, uh, that the government can do to step in and kind of regulate Facebook and things like that. And then on top of that, Facebook and companies like them, Google and everything else, they're so technologically farther ahead of where the government is. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, if you've ever been in a DMV and you look at the computers, they're still using, like, Windows 98. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. like, crazy how old their stuff is. It's what, insane. Well, didn't the government... Don't they have, like, a big contract with... There's some big company they have a contract with, right? Like, Amazon or look, something? they have contracts No, no, with but there was everybody. one that they recently were talking about. With everybody. Yeah, so like, what, everything... To update their, all their technology? Yeah, like, everything that they do, none of it is theirs. Like, they just... They subcontract somebody like google or amazon or it doesn't even matter the point Apple. is you've been everywhere the government is you've been to the dmv you've been down with with a friend or a loved one to a military base all their computers are old and they're garbage mm -hmm. they're just bad it's like they're so far behind so how can you expect any entity that won't even invest in their own technology to regulate big giant firms i remember when mark zuckerberg was sitting there and and they were saying things about email and he's like facebook doesn't do email how is this relevant to what we're talking about? And they were just right. like, well, you're a digital guy. You know about this stuff. And he's like, okay, sure, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I know about email. <laughs> All right, okay. It's like something I haven't we thought we were use. talking about, you know, how I didn't do a good job about, you know, regulating people, making fake news about, you know, this, that, and the other. What are we talking about here? I don't, I don't get it. And they don't get it either. They, they're so yeah. technologically illiterate. It mm -hmm. is, it's laughable. Mm -hmm. It's laughable. These are the people that you elected. And you elected them because of the fact that you have some real-world issues. 
But surprise, surprise, we're in 2019. The digital world has caught up with the real world. And things that are happening on social media very much so affect what's going on in your real life. When you get doxxed, if you don't know what that is, it's when a person takes all of your personal information, mm -hmm. your address, your phone numbers, anything, the, your, your, the address of, your, of where you work, and they take these documents and they put them online and say, hey, this person is a racist, this person is a child molester, this person is a, you know, a, a political terrorist, whatever the case is, they make an accusation against you and they say, here's all their personal information, make their life hell. That's doxing. That's a digital thing. Has nothing to do with you in the real world, but here's what happens in your real life. Now you start getting phone calls, mm -hmm. people showing up, uh, you know, with, with, with signs that say uh, you need to, to die and all this other stuff. It's a real thing. People have been hurt because of doxing. You know, there was a lady who uh, in the gaming industry came out and said, hey, uh, the gaming industry is full of people who are misogynist and I have personally been attacked by such and such developers. Mm -hmm. And then she got doxed. And within a month, she had death threats. People were showing up, breaking her car window. It wow. was, it's a real deal. So the point is, we're 2019, and now you're thinking, okay, well, what about the election? You know, people think that you know, Russia uh, tampered with our election. There's proof from our intelligence companies mm -hmm. that they did tamper with our election. And then there's all these uh, ads that were played uh, on Facebook. Now, people like myself look at that and say, well, you know, the people that are looking at those ads and believing that, they're a special kind of person. They're not very intelligent. But at the same time, our government's saying, well, you know what? You are an entity that's operating within our borders. You need to protect the integrity of our election system. And Facebook's like, that's not our responsibility. We're a business. So now 2019, the digital world is caught up with the real world and things that are happening in the digital world are affecting the real world. Um, but we don't know how to marry the two things no. and regulate the two things no. in a way that we can actually live. So that number three thing, how do we move forward? Well, what is a way for us to move forward and, and fix that? I don't know. I mean, I guess we could probably look it up, but I guess the reason that they haven't quite figured out how to regulate this is that how much of the world is technologically advanced? Like how much of the world is in the, uh, we'll call it the modern era, the modern age where they have accessible internet. Everybody in the world. Well, I'm talking about where they have like readily accessible 24 7, uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, you know, Google, Yahoo. Every continent, every major country has everything you're talking about. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. But there's, you, want a, there's, you want a percentage. Yeah, because there's still, I'm, I'm sure that there's still a lot of places that are behind. I mean, a second world or even a third world country is not going to be as advanced as America or as the UK. Or, but those aren't the threats. But what I'm saying is that they haven't sat down and said as as a whole, as, as, a, as the world, world leaders, this is what we should do. Because I don't think it should be on a federal level. I think it should be more on a global level. Yeah, but see, we're not a global government. But I still think that that, because, I don't know, I just don't know how you, because there's no barriers. So in, in some ways, it should be a global thing because there is no barriers. You can you can dock somebody, you know, in Antarctica because it's Antarctica and it's not far when you're on the internet, you know? There's no barrier. There's nothing to stop you. There's not, like, it's not like you can, tra it's not like you can travel to Antarctica without having to jump through some hoops but you can you can you know dock somebody that lives in antarctica so you you can you know there's no regulations it's the wild west the internet's the wild west i think caitlin found something what do you got yes i did okay so the point i was going to make how we can overcome this i think 
it comes to a point where we need younger members in our Congress. Yes. Now, I, I was just looking up the facts. I was kind of go over, going over my U.S. history I learned. In order to, let's say you wanted to be um, a senator, a mm -hmm. member of the Senate, you have to be a U.S. citizen for at least nine years. Mm -hmm. Makes sense to me. That's fine. Sure. But you have to be at least 30 years old. Now, that's not too old of a number. I mean, I'm almost 30. I mm -hmm. think I am very well educated about you know, the digital world. So I looked up on Google, there is um, like a document written by the government and it has a table of the average age of members of our current congressmen and women. Okay. And so it's kind of di divided into the uh, 12th, 13th, 14th and 15th congresses. And these are just the averages, okay? Mm -hmm. The averages for all of our newly elected representatives and senators, the youngest age on here is 50.7 years. Wow. So So none of our none of the average ages of our members of Congress are even close to 30. They're all older. Yeah. Does that make sense when we're talking about well, you know, such issues like the digital age? Are they going to be able to relate more? Here's two things with that. One there's no term limit, right? They can they can be reelected as many times as and they want. And they're trying mm -hmm. to change that. There's no term yeah. limit, which that doesn't make any sense because if the president, if that amendment was made back in the 40s, right? It was uh, Roosevelt, I think that 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 amendment happened under. So so well, just to speak to that real quick, and then I want you to go to your next point. Okay. The reason that they have rebuffed every attempt to set term limits is because these people want to be career politicians. And that is an issue as far as their ethics and their morals go. Because the longer that you're in this game, the more money gets thrown at you mm -hmm. from special interest groups. And the more you start to twist. Because you're never going to stay in power long enough to actually do anything effective unless you make a, make a compromise. And when you make mm -hmm. one compromise, you're going to make another one, and you're going to make another one, and that's how you get to the presidency. But anyways, go back to your next thing. Well, and, and to go with that, I'm not saying that it's got to be eight years. But, you know, probably... 12, 16, something like that's probably enough. Could be. But, but the other thing, too, is why do you have to be 30 years old? If you're old, like, if at 18 I can give you a rifle and you can go you can go battle the front lines for us, Yeah. why do you have to, like, why is there an age limit to, to serve your country in that way? Because some people don't want to be in the military. They don't have aspirations to well, do that, but they do have aspirations to try to help lead the country in other ways so why why aren't they given the opportunity i'm not saying that they're going to get elected yeah but what does it hurt to allow them the opportunity my biggest counter to that is um our biology uh i i haven't looked it up because i still got this thing pulled up but isn't it our i think the human brain keeps growing yeah. or whatever you want to call it or absorbing information until you are 25 years old 24, 25. 24, like 25. Okay. Like you're still technically in your brain subconsciously maturing so, up into that point. Okay. Well, well, hold on. Okay. Whatever you want to I got one for you. Not so consciously. Physiologically. Yeah, that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. your brain is actually going through chemical changes. But with that being said, the things that you're exposed to as the brain becomes more and more hardwired is going to give you an advantage over other individuals. So, for example... Uh, in that same vein, if we took a person at 18 
and put them into politics. Mm -hmm. The ability to govern, the ability to critically think and reason, the ability to lead, all of those things by the time they're 24, 25, would be so hardwired that they would have an advantage over any other individual getting into the game mm -hmm. at 26, 27, 28. So it goes both ways. You want to hear a fun fact? Fun fact. The youngest senator we ever elected was 39 years old, and this was back in 1977. Youngest senator ever elected. That's crazy. Um, to be in the House of Representatives, you have to be at least 25 years old, but the youngest representative that's ever been elected was 32 years old, and that was back in 1984. The oldest representative ever elected was 87 years old. and he Congress? Was, uh, yes, and he was elected in 1929. <laughs> But, oh my gosh. But I mean, again, it comes down to why. Who set the number? It's who arbitrary. Set the, who it's set arbitrary. The, it's no, arbitrary. but why would you have a number? What does it matter? And, and if you want to set a number, that's great. But make it something like 24, you know, 25. So, so why, like, why does it have to be 30? Let me, let, me, let me paint you a picture here, Sergio. The reason that there are these hurdles is to limit. The people who you don't want to be in those positions. For president, if you want to run for president to get your name on the ballot in different states, you got to pay money. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I don't want a poor person and their thoughts and opinions and ideas getting in. That's the only reason you would set that. And then some people will come back and be like, well, you know, there's administrative fees and all that. Well, no, that's not the case. Because if you, if you took that away then basically what you would do is you would say anyone could do it. Even the playing field. Even the playing field, right? But now you got a bunch of people coming in that maybe aren't as serious, right? So then now there's another reason. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what, that's what it is. Well, the reason we put money on it is because only the serious candidates will do it because they'll have to actually raise money, they'll or... have to get out there, and all this other stuff. Now, here's another thing. A catch-22 situation for you. The U.S. government will give you money to run for president. There's an actual grant that you can get and apply for to run for the presidency. But in order to get it, you got to pay money to file all the paperwork. In order to get the grant, you got to spend money. Yeah. Because my, my whole thing is that one of the thing one of the things that the 2016 election proved is that uh, money can buy you opportunities. Because you haven't you have an individual who has never served. I don't think he's ever served like a. A bucket of bread at you know at a restaurant. What individual? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. You got an individual who's never served anything. He's never well, served. He's never done any kind of politics. He's never. He's probably never served anybody so look, besides himself. I, but I'm saying that money. Money was able to give him that opportunity. I'm not a person who supports Trump in any form or fashion. But when I say that, I'm also an individual who's very honest and fair with anybody. I'll sit down with anybody, I'll talk with them, I'll listen to their side, and I will meet things out in a logical fashion. And what you're saying, yes and no. Because I've been in corporate America, the type of politicking that you have to do at the highest levels, mm -hmm. like Trump did with different people from around the world, is very much the same as the guys that go over there for you know ambassadorships and things like that. Um, it's very much the same for anyone that's running for office when you're jockeying up and trying to make sure that you're running a board or you're at the head of a board mm -hmm. or any of that other things. All of that stuff is exactly the same. It's about shaking hands, making deals, and getting things done. And if you're trying to meet out experience, 
Trump was more experienced than some of the guys that were from Congress and, and but, that, that were former senators. But my whole thing is, if there was a poor person who was given the same opportunity, he wouldn't have been looked at the same way. Yeah, this but poor see, person wouldn't have gotten a fair shake. And this is what I'm talking about. So you asked earlier, why do we set 30 years old? Because people who are in power want to make sure that they can limit who's actually getting that power. And so they set up gates. And then people become gatekeepers to those gates. We have a two-party system, Caitlin. Why is that? In terms of keeping people out, what happens when a third party tries to pop up? Yeah, they get pushed down. Okay. We kind of got off topic, but... <laughs> it's still all communication. <laughs> it's, all, it's all communication. My whole thing was, you know, we're in the digital age, and I think if we're going to enact laws and legislation in it, I think we need to have younger people in office yes you know not people who average at the age of 55 to 65 mm -hmm. years old no offense i'm not saying they don't know how to use facebook but i went to school for this i don't know if 30 or 40 years ago you could go to school and no. just learn about that typing. and that's when they went to school typing that was the yeah, they learned how to type on a keyboard so look here's the deal right by the time you're 55, and this is not me speaking, these are scientists, all right? And I know people don't like scientists, especially when it comes to climate change and all the things that are completely logical and just mathed out. People don't like math. But here's the deal. Scientists have said that by the time you're 55, it's no longer your planet. The things that you're doing from 55 out are only going to negatively impact as far as the decisions you make, unless right. they are positive decisions that are made specifically for the people that are younger than you, the kids that are 5 and 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So your planet ceases to be your planet by the age of 55. So why should you even have a say politically or in any kind of form or capacity of leadership once you hit that age? And that's the argument that a lot of people are trying to make now when it comes to running for president, because we have several individuals that are in in their late 60s and 70s and even pushing 80 years old yeah and and why why am i listening to you this isn't even your planet anymore you would literally and, and no offense to those individuals that are at that age could die tomorrow die mm -hmm. in your sleep old man i'm yeah. just throwing it out there and then like so the deal is so individuals like caitlin and myself and even sergio this is our planet and the things that we're doing we, we're, we're very familiar with what's going on. We know uh, social media, uh, technology. We know what we're doing. Like, nobody's talking about uh, the lingering effects of uh, 5G and how it, uh, how it affects brain chemistry. And, and none of those guys are talking about um, how we're destroying the earth and what we're doing to the climate. They're not talking about anything that impacts 30, 40, 50 years down the road because they know they're not going to be here. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. Well, wow. I just and I've said this before. I've said this a few times that the the internet and technology and social media and all that has made it possible, for example, for us to be here doing this. Yep. Twenty years ago, this was something that was unheard of. Uh, five years ago, us doing a show on Facebook Live was unheard of. You yep. had to have like a whole studio set up and blah blah blah. Now you can do it from a cell phone. So the, the, the internet has made the world a much smaller place and has made it a more level playing field. Exactly. So, and, and I guess that's my big concern is that this isn't a level playing field. The, 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 field, has, the field has almost leveled itself. Like technology has exposed all these flaws to say, yeah, you can't say this doesn't apply anymore. Like it applies because this is life. You have, you have a computer in your hand. 
all day, every day. You all have day. more technology than what landed us on the moon in the 60s <laughs> in your hand. That's true. I have more technology right here than what landed on the moon. Well, that's I wouldn't say that's accurate. That, that's an analog board. So, But she has enough technology to have gotten us to the moon in the 60s. Well, as far as computing power goes, you can make an argument for that for sure. But at the end of the day, the level of technology, integration of technology, mechanical technology, that phone's not going to get you to the moon. But could it have done, as far as computing and processing power, it would have done a way better job. They so wish I, they had this. I'm just saying that the... That the internet has made it's made the, the world more competitive it's made everybody almost everybody's in the race now almost everybody ha yes. has their can put their hat in the race yes and you don't really have the same excuses that you would have had 30 40 50 years ago 100 years ago can i just say that with great power comes great responsibility yes yes you can was that uncle ben that was yeah. uncle ben doesn't matter who it was. The point is, it's true. We have given voice and power to the masses. The mob, if you will, can now rise up against the powerful and the elite and tell their side of the story in a way that has become such a powerful narrative that it is literally changing how we interact with each other, period. And I feel it's in a dramatically negative way. And I'm not exactly sure if there's even going to be a way to come back from this because of the fact that with that great power and that great responsibility, we have enabled people to finally embolden themselves, be courageous, and do the things and speak in such a way that they never would have been able to in the first place. People say we have an epidemic of misogyny. No, we're just more aware of it now because people mm -hmm. can actually get up online and, and, and speak their truth in a way that they weren't comfortable doing before with you know reporters and mics in their face. Now they can just do their own post in the comfort of their own home where they feel safe and they can say the things that happen to them and we can hear it and we can say, well, that's that's an issue. Well, and, that you know, and, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't have a cell phone where you could just record somebody just having a conversation. You well, know? I mean, but I'm trying to say in the sense that 20 years ago, that lady could have gone down the street or that man could have gone down the street mm -hmm. and said, hey, I was inappropriately touched. I was raped. I was done this. This was done to me. That was done to me. This injustice was done to me. And they could have done that. But there was there's not they're not going to because of the fact that uh, whether they're timid or they're scared yeah. or society doesn't and allow for that kind of thing now whether they allow it or not or whether you're timid or scared or not the internet either is going to give you the anonymity that you need in order to voice it, the injustice that happened to you or you're going to be emboldened you're going to become courageous and you're going to sit in your room and you're going to record a video and then you're going to pay take that video and all you have to do with no one around you, with no one pressuring you, with no one telling you that you're wrong, that, that you're weak and you're powerless or anything else. All you have to do is click that send button and it's done. Well, and at the same time, you also have more people that witness that. Like, let's say let's say an injustice happens, happens to you. Yeah. And, and she doesn't feel like she can empower herself. But if I saw it, you know, who's to say I didn't record it? Yeah. Or who's to say that I didn't see it firsthand and I'm going to get on Facebook tonight. I'm going to say, hey, this happened to so-and-so. Like, there, there, there's so much more. At, at the same time, there's so many people trying to hurt each other with social media and the Internet. There's a lot more people that I think are helping, uh, what's the word, 
help others. They're helping. Yeah, like, that's it. That's the word. Empower. Help. They're empower. They're they are empowering other people. They are helping people who would have not have helped themselves. Yeah. You know, because think of all those people that you see like getting beat by a cop, and people Somebody are and, the phone. and yep. people are recording it, or some kid gets you know bullied and they're recording you know they're recording them getting into a fight and all this stuff. Power to the masses to fight back against institutions that have systemically always held the power. They've always been the gatekeepers of information. You can't say that this cop did X, Y, and Z because the police force as a brotherhood, as a union, as a, as a, as a fraternity, whatever you want to call it, they have always held the keys to, we are the police, you will listen to us, we're going to be the, the, the truth speakers mm -hmm. here, they're lying, we have all the power, we have all the control, you're going to do what we tell you to do, we're going to brush this under the rug. And now, like you said, somebody whips out a camera, and now you can't change the narrative. The narrative is what you see. It mm -hmm. is what it is. And then it goes from there. And the same thing with the FBI and the NSA and the CIA and every other government thing. The the, the, the conspiracies used to be because there was like three people who had cameras. Three people who had mm -hmm. cameras on, on, the, on the grass. You know, imagine if what happened to Kennedy happened now. And there were 150 different angles of camera of footage and just everything. on that one side exactly you'd have like a billion freaking camera sh camera shots oh and draw the aerial and the satellite image on top of and the cameras on the building yeah. that were there like wow yeah if kennedy were to have gotten shot now you'd probably have what probably like at least a thousand different angles at least oh, crazy if wow. not more the number would be high you'd probably have a body cam shot too i'm not gonna lie i don't know i feel like the culmination of this conversation has been that while we are losing a lot because of the negative things, the negative aspects that come with the digital, uh, we're gaining a lot at the same time. I just don't feel like there's any way to go back. I don't feel like we're ever going to be able to recapture the civility that we enjoyed all the way up until the digital age. I, I, think, I just don't think we, will, we ever will. See, I have, I have a young child. You have, you have young children as well. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and one day maybe you'll have young children. Um, I think that the best thing we can do as parents is to just try to educate them and teach them at a young age because, you know, like our generation, our kids' generations, they are growing up with, you know, the tablet being there every day. Yeah, the digital natives. The, the, that, that's all they know yep. is that it's always there. It's always accessible. And I think that with them, you have to teach them that responsibility early. Uh, it's the same stuff like when you teach a little kid, look both ways before you cross the street. It's almost one of those things that's like, Think about what you're going to say before you say it. Think about what you're going to type before you type it. You know, just little things like that. Like you're ingraining that in them at a very young age, just like you tell them, look both ways before you cross the street, brush your teeth at night, you know, green means go. Like you're having to teach them all that at a very young age now. So that's, it's called being a responsible parent for those of you that don't know that. Anyways, <laughs> Caitlin, from, from the standpoint of, what is our responsibility to each other as people? I think our responsibility to each other as people is to remember that whatever you say affects a person. It doesn't matter if you say it face to face, it doesn't matter if you say it on the internet or on social or through an email or a text. What you say, no matter how you say it, affects somebody somewhere, physically or emotionally. And you have to take that to account. Doesn't mean I'm limiting you on what you're gonna say. It's a free country, you can say what you want. But 
saying what you want is an action and all actions have consequences whether it's a good or a bad consequence and it's just something you always have to remember because it's so easy to forget on these did I say that right? Is yeah. that, is that I good? I think it sounded great. I oh, think that was awesome. You. I really don't feel like much more can be said. I don't. You know does what? Does that wrap up this episode? I, I think that does wrap up this episode <laughs> of the local talk show. Uh, thanks for watching. On behalf of myself, Miss Kate over here, Hi. and Andrew. Yep. Again, we're the local talk show. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Peace. Bye. Latest.